Welcome to the Standing Out in Ohio podcast, where we discuss topics, upcoming events, news, and predictions with real estate professionals and entrepreneurs. Listen and learn what makes their companies and themselves stand out and gain advantages over the competition and gain market share. Subscribe for the latest news and discussion on what it takes to stand out from the crowd. Now, here's your host, Jim. Hey, everybody, this is Jim with the Standing Out Ohio podcast. Of course, I have Laura, the office goddess with me. Hi, everyone. So this week we have we have a guest, a guest with us, Bree Foreman Raver, and I'm very excited to have her with us because she is a mortgage officer and she's with a union home mortgage. And there's been a lot of talk about mortgages and the rates and all this stuff. And She'll help clear it up. She'll help clear all that up. And there's so much stuff people need to do to get pre-qualified so they don't waste their real estate agent's time. Or theirs. Or theirs. Yes. You don't waste your own time. Definitely. But first, let's listen to this. Habitation investigation is the way to go for a home inspection in Ohio. Trusted licensed home inspectors for your needs from radon to mold to warranty. For a great home inspection, you really can't go wrong. Visit home inspections in Ohio.com. All right, Brie, hey, glad to have you here. Hi. Hi, how are you guys doing? We, doing well, how about you? Cannot complain, not a little yeah. bit. Yeah, good. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Where, where do you work at? Yeah, my name is Bree Foreman Raver. I'm a loan officer with Union Home Mortgage. Um, I've been in the mortgage industry since about 2015, um, and I absolutely love it. It's it's a great industry. It's a it's a great time to meet a lot of wonderful people, and I really enjoy helping people get into new homes. Well, good. Now, what did you do before that? Before I actually got into mortgages, I was working kind of like as a network designer for a company. Um, I basically built it, built the computer backend side of network connections for a company here uh, in Dublin. Oh, very interesting. Okay. What, 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 what was that like? I hated it. <laughs> to be <laughs> completely <laughs> honest, I did. Um, it was. It was. It was, you know, I mean, I, I get it. I still am behind the computer now, but it's all behind a computer. There was no personal relationships. There was no FaceTime meeting people, helping people. It was just kind of like a number crunching type of job that I didn't feel very fulfilled with. Um, okay. So it wasn't the right fit for me. Well, it was probably not much one-on-one with people. Not at, not at all. There was zero customer facing zero people facing it was me my computer and numbers <laughs> okay oh, so the numbers would be killing me yeah see i, I don't mind math no I like numbers don't lie they're they're good gauge for things so but how'd you decide on on mortgage so i actually how that I do happen? I do like numbers, um, but I actually kind of stumbled into the industry. There was someone that I knew that had reached out to me. They knew, you know, my background um, with school, and they actually worked for a mortgage company here in town, and wanted me to join their team and be a part of their company's marketing team. So I started with that company in 2015. And was essentially the the marketing person for them. And from there, you know, I liked the job. It was really fun. Um, 
But being in the meetings with the loan officers, hearing about the day in and day out types of things that they were going through and the puzzles that they had to solve to get people from pre-approved or from, you know, not being able to be approved to being pre-approved and getting them into houses. I, I liked that idea of being able to help people solve puzzles, using numbers to solve these puzzles and getting people, you know, I think that buying a house can better people's lives and better their future. So being able to help better someone's future um, was important to me. And I thought that it was something I wanted to learn about and get involved with. Oh, well, good, good. Cause that's definitely fulfilling. Somebody, I mean, that, that's a huge, I, I guess, long term, slow windfall for somebody to be able to own a house and yep. yeah, you got 20, 30 years of payments on, on it, but you're building up equity the entire time instead of renting forever. Right. Absolutely. I, I remember doing a spec for somebody and this lady rented from this guy for like 25 years. Yeah. She could have owned the place by that. Right. Yep. Exactly. So and there's a well, lot of people in that situation and being able to help people see that and get into their own home ownership, I think is, is really great for their financial future. So. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and rents are so high now than what they were like three years ago. Well, absolutely. Even get into an apartment is insane. Yeah, our, our daughter bought a house two, almost two years ago. Yeah, yeah, that's great. She could not afford an apartment, but she could afford to buy a house. Yep. Which is so, how backwards it was, at least for her. Yeah. It seems backwards, but yeah, yeah. So it worked out far better for her. Now she's building up equity and. Shit, while she has a roommate and uh and they're helping to pay for pervert her mortgage and helping buy the house for her, basically. Such a so. smart way to do it. Such a yeah. smart way to do it. Absolutely. Good for her. So all right, pre-approval. Yeah. All right. Somebody wants to buy a house. Most people have no idea where, where to start. We do we help out with home buying seminars. I think we just did one Saturday for somebody. Mm-hmm. And the pre-approval, there are a lot of people had questions about pre-approval. Oh, they're like everybody did. That was that was the longest topic that had, that had the most the most questions. So what do people need to do in order to get pre-approved? Yeah, absolutely. So when you start, when you want to buy a house, I always recommend, I feel like most people, they want to start talking to a realtor first. They want to see the houses. They want to go shopping because that's the fun part. That's the exciting part. That's where you get to picture your future and where your life is going to go. Um, but before you hit that point of going out and looking at houses and shopping, you want to start the pre-approval process. The reasons you want to start that pre-approval process first is because you know, you might fall in love with a house that you, the monthly mortgage payment on it is going to end up being two, three, four thousand dollars, but you only want to spend twelve to fifteen, or even less potentially. Um, so, what I like to do when I'm working with my clients is um, figure out first and foremost what their comfortable monthly budget is, because that, at the end of the day, is the most important thing to me. What are you comfortable paying on your mortgage or for a mortgage payment? Um, you might qualify for more, but I want to work backwards to figure out what that equates to as a purchase price in a house. That way, when you go shopping, you're shopping for houses within the ideal budget range that you want to keep your monthly payment. Um, nice. So you don't want to be house rich, but cash poor because right. everybody, your money goes into that house. 
yeah payment and i don't have enough money to go out to movies dinner pay for vacation yeah savings yeah Yeah. future investments absolutely absolutely so when someone wants to get pre-approved, the first thing they want to do is really just talk to a mortgage lender. I promise we're not scary. We're not, you know, the big mean bank people that are that are going to deny you if you've had the slightest blemish on your credit or maybe you don't have a lot of money saved. What we do is we help you to come up with a game plan. We figure out where your baseline is now. And then we learn, we have a conversation with you, kind of learn your story, learn where, what your goals are and where you want to go. And then we come up with a plan to help you get your ducks in a row and to get to that goal. Um, when I have someone have their first conversation with me, basically I ask them just a series of questions. I get to know them. I ask them, you know, what are your goals? Um, I ask them about, you know, what they want their ideal monthly budget to be. Um, I like to get to know them too, just because as you're working with someone to buy a house, this is the most important financial decision of their life. Mm -hmm. Um, So having that conversation, really getting to know someone and to know these ultimate goals that they have is super important. Um, So I find out what some of these goals are. I ask them, you know, just a little bit about their story. You know, where do you work? What's your current living situation? Um, how much do you have saved or have you potentially started saving for a checking or excuse me, for a down payment or closing costs? And I go through this whole conversation with them and I learn their story. Um, once we have that story, we, there's some documents, well, well, excuse me, I'll have them actually fill out the mortgage application. We have a, a mobile app on your phone that you can actually download. It's probably the easiest way to do it. I send a text, I send them the link to fill out the application and the application goes through a lot of the same questions that we went through in our initial conversation, but in a little bit more detail, like birthday, social security, all those same questions. Um, And then once they fill out that application, there's documents that we need to collect from them. And the reason we have to collect these documents is essentially we just have to have on paper um, proof of what they told me in the initial conversation. So just supporting documentation, showing what their income is, um, showing, you know, their W-2s or tax returns for the last couple of years, see how much they have in their bank account, copy of their photo ID, just to show that they are who they say they are. Sure. Sure. Um, and once I have all that stuff together, I go through the whole file, go through the conversations that we've had. And I put all those pieces together to create um, potential loan scenarios and budget scenarios that will keep them within the goals that we discussed. Um, and then once we have some options, we get together for another phone call, we go over these options and if they're happy with the numbers, if they're happy with, you know, what the down payment is, if they're happy with the closing costs, um, and the monthly payment for the mortgage, then at that point they're pre-approved and you're free to go shopping. And that's the part where they're excited about and get to talk to their realtors and, um, start the fun part. <laughs> yeah. So, and then nobody needs to remember all that. You'll, you'll sit yeah, down yeah, and guide yeah. them Absolutely. through all that. Now, how long does somebody, should somebody have a job? Is there a minimum length of time they should hold a job before they apply? So that's a really great question. There's, it, it all kind of depends. Um, we do have to do what's a two-year history of employment. So maybe you recently got a new job. But depending on what your previous two years look like, even if you've been on the job for a short period of time, or even you just have an offer letter, um, and this is also going to depend on the loan type, but it all kind of depends on what that person's history is. 
the the time that you really need to have a full two years um, is if you are a self-employed person or if you have what's called variable income. So if you're receiving you know money from tips or commissions, um, we have to have that two-year history. Generally speaking, sometimes you can we can get away with one, but to be on the safe side, you want to have that two-year history. Okay. Um, but. Oh, so that, that makes sense. You got somebody doing one type of work, say they work in a factory and go, Hey, I'm doing sales now for the last six months. And like, eh, I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> you never did sales before on your history. So that may not work out. Yeah. But it's the people that are like maybe hourly salary. We just need to have, we just got to look at their pay stubs. We look at their W2s and just make sure that they are working the same consistent um, amount weekly, essentially. Sure. Okay. What's the, what's the youngest person you ever talked to about getting pre-approved? Um, youngest person I've talked to people, um, 18, 19. And I had a girl, I actually closed a girl today and I think she was 19 or 20. Nice. Um, yeah, she closed this morning at 10. So I was super excited for her. She is an absolute doll. And she's, I'm just super proud of her that she started so early. And I told her this a hundred times. I was like, if I could go back and buy earlier, I absolutely would have. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Our our daughter bought when she was 19. That's great. Just just turned, but. Literally had just turned. Yeah. So very good. Very good. And then what's, what's the oldest person you ever got, ever got pre-approved? Um, you know, that's a really great question. Um, I've, I've had a lot of people that are, I don't necessarily pay the most attention to how old they are. Um, I just noticed her because when I got her application, I was like, that is very recently. Um, but if they, if they're further up there, I don't, I don't necessarily pay the most attention to what their age is, but I've had people that That are, you know, on social security, they're retired, they're done working. Um, they don't have that regular job income anymore, but we had other, there's other ways that we can still get people pre-approved if they're not working and have, you know, either okay. retirement accounts or, um, social okay. security, essentially. I'll say it really doesn't matter as long as you have, have the finances and the you know, stable history. There's, there's really so no bad time. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And you, oh, guys, absolutely. you guys don't have just one program for, uh, getting, you know, the, Getting the more the mortgage and everything, you know, getting the loan that you have a lot of programs. Absolutely. There, there are tons of loan programs that are out there for people. Um, you know, no, no two people have the exact same life or the exact same history. So it's not, you can't really put people in a box for certain loan types. Everyone has their own story. Everyone has their own scenarios and what my job is, is to help them find what loan program is going to fit their best scenario to, in okay. order to either, you know, to reach their goals, save them the most money, you know, get them to what their ultimate goal is quickly. Yeah, Because on the program, well, we helped out the other day, a lot of people had questions about their student loans, mm-hmm. their credit rating. Yep. They had a lot of concerns about that. How to get that up. Um, student loans came up a couple of times for mm-hmm. people, whether or not they... Uh, they were in deferment, whether well, that would affect them or not, or what they're paying, or they're behind. All Which kinds is of stuff. crazy that it doesn't affect it because they're deferred. You're going to have to pay them back at some point. So d- that depends on the loan type, actually. 
um, depending on what loan type you're looking at is going to tell us what, how we have to look at your student loans. So on, on a, so a lot of people right now they're in their, their loans are deferred because of COVID, um, that has a different type that's looked at differently than pre COVID or soon to be post loan mortgage, excuse me, post student loan deferments, um, because there's some people that are on income-based repayment plans for their student loans. There's some people that have um, just their standard monthly payment. Um, And there's some people that with their income-driven repayment plans, they have a zero balance. Depending on the loan type, we, we don't have to count a payment if it's show zero, but if it's, if it's another loan type, we might have to count like a half a percent. Um, It's kind of all, again, all over the board, depending on the loan type. And the the loan type is going to be pretty pretty driven by credit score. Um, So the higher your credit score, essentially, the more options you have. Um, But that doesn't necessarily mean that if you have, you know, some blemish credit that we can't get you there or get you to that next level. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like you guys have a lot of options. Would you agree that going online and trying to find a mortgage online is probably the worst thing to ever to do? Oh my gosh. Yes, it is. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's so tempting right now in the age of the technology that you feel yeah. like, oh yeah, well, supposedly I can just click this button and now I've got a mortgage or I can click on this and I've got a quote, but really that's a computer. It's not someone that necessarily has your best interest. It knows your story that knows your goals. And talking to a person that can really identify what needs, what you need, what you want. Um, you know, you, you have to talk to a person, but it's, it's still a really quick, easy process. Um, and, well, you, and ultimately you'll save more money that way. Yeah. Well, you sound like your, your way, your approach is going to be a lot more personable and it's going to be helping a person on a personal level, what they need to fit what they want versus right. A computer figuring out well, an yeah, or, or on you know, some, somebody on you know cross country and some mortgage operation somewhere else is going to go. Well, are we going to make money on it? Yes or no? And that's that's all that's they the care decision. about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's I can't. I'm not going to say it was. There's a loan company that was online years ago. They were so slow of getting any paperwork done. It was oh, like yeah. almost non-existent that they would get that paperwork done, and it was. And they so ended much up not better. closing. Oh a yeah, they the said, ones. dude, we need this done. So they switched another another company and got done a local one and got it done a lot quicker. I remember that. Yep. I've I've heard those horror stories too. Yep. So right now they're talking about interest rates are going to go up. Yep. Which right now they're crazy low in the first place. I they remember, were. and I don't know how old you are, but I remember like 15, 17% interest rate. Oh, with the 80s. I think it was the 80s crazy like now that's insane to pay anything like that's that's like a credit card yeah but now interest rates to me anything below six is amazing rate right absolutely if somebody complains it goes up like just three or four i'm like dude what are you what are you whining about (laughs) yeah i'm not a child of the 80s yeah (laughs) i completely understand and agree with that sentiment but yeah the uh Interest rates, you know, they are predicted to rise. They've been they've been on the rise for a little bit. So yeah, interest rates they they have been on the rise. Um, interest rates they fluctuate, you know, every day. 
they're kind of like gas prices. You can, you can go to work, you know, and you see the gas station near your house and it's one price, you know, in the morning and you come back and it's a different price. Interest rates change multiple times a day. I get a text message every day between nine and or excuse me, at the top of every hour between nine and five, telling me where the market's gone throughout the day. Um, because they can change, they can change that often. Um, the reason rates change is because mortgage rates, your interest rate, they're based on mortgage backed securities. Um, basically the, the federal reserve has been buying these mortgage backed securities on and off since about 2009, um, in response to like varying economic swings, different stimulus efforts, um, and what happens is when the Federal Reserve is buying these mortgage-backed securities, um, it creates, when you have that higher demand, it creates these higher bond prices with a lower yield. And essentially what that means is the more the Federal Reserve buys these mortgage-backed securities, the lower the interest rates go. So what happened is when COVID started, um, the Federal Reserve was started buying these bonds um, and it was intended to, to help the economy um, as we returned to, you know, more of a full employment, more pricing stability. Um, but then as we started coming into our quote unquote new normal um, and the labor market didn't kind of swing back the way that it was anticipated and we started seeing more inflation, yeah. um, that was not what the Federal Reserve had predicted was going to happen. Um, so in September, the federals, or excuse me, the the feds announced that they were going to start slowing down their bond buying process. And when when they slow down their bond buying, um, it usually happens in about two phases. Um, the first phase is they slow down in buying these new bonds, um, but they are still reinvesting the proceeds from their previous purchases back into the market. The second phase of these slowdowns is um, they start limiting how much they are reinvesting back into the securities. So what ended up happening early January, actually early, like January 3rd, I believe, um, the feds announced they actually, they, they announced that the slowdown was going to be, they, excuse me, they announced the slowdown um, in September. Um But early January, they announced that they were actually going to be expediting the that two part slowdown process. And they're already on phase two, where they are not buying new bonds anymore. And they're start they're trickling down and limiting what they're reinvesting into the mortgage backed securities. Um, And that has actually caused that big swing that we've seen in the market over like basically the last three weeks. Um, So you've seen interest rates rise. But again, during COVID, they were basically artificially lowered because the feds were buying so many bonds during COVID to try to help the economy that you saw absolutely rock bottom interest rates during 2020, 2021. So when people say interest rates are rising, yes, technically, but when they are at absolute rock bottom, there's nowhere else for them to go. So rates... (laughs) So yeah. rates aren't rates aren't bad, but yes, they are technically they are technically rising, but it's still super affordable to purchase a house. Oh yeah, it's not anything that's you know gonna break people's banks. It's just a little bit more of that normalized scale versus you know those super super mind blowing low rates that we saw. Oh yeah, I think it's important for new buyers to realize that. Our rates are higher than what they were, but but they really were stupidly low. 
and they yeah. really need to know historically what the, the rates yeah. used to be. Yeah, yeah. It might be nice to have a have a chart. I don't know if you guys you, may, you guys may have something like this. Just let people know. Hey, this these are their average rates from like uh, 84, 85, 86. They have all coming up to the current time, and they'll see like, holy cow, that was double digit interest rates. I'm like, yeah, that was normal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because that, because then it put it in more perspective for them. Absolutely, rates are I'm, not high right now. They're they are good. They are very no good, no matter what anybody says or, or thinks about it. Yeah, so I'm looking. I just pulled up a graph really quickly just to see, um, just for fun. Uh, Seventy in 1974. <laughs> This is fun when you like numbers. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Just, this is true. Just for fun. In 1974, they were around nine percent interest rate. Uh, okay. 82, we were up to just under 19 percent. Um, if you're, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. 88, we're around 11, like kind of in that range. I'm going to back or keep kind of jumping forward. 96 we're between seven and nine and they've been just slowly trickling down so i mean that's let's go to 2010 they're around five and they were kind of in that region and basically since 2010 they've been between three and five and then 20 hit and you had that phase of you know rates in the twos which historically if you're looking at this chart that i have here since 1974 it's never happened before oh no. not even remotely so well, my kids are anything below six is to me is an amazing rate absolutely but i mean mortgage rates yeah. are it's still really great i mean look at your if you have got credit cards if you've got credit card payments what's your interest rate on your credit card interest what's your interest on your car loan i mean obviously cars are probably going to be a little bit lower but they're still not as low as mortgage rates so being in you know, the, the three to four range, it is, it's still great rates and you can still buy a lot of house with it, you know, and there's a lot of focus. Oh, rates are rising. Rates are rising. But yeah. They were two low twos. Like yeah. you, you can't, we, you can't get money for much lower, lower than that. No, you know? no, you can't, you can't. That's, I mean, they can double the rates where they are right now. And it's still awesome rates. You have good people yeah. just, yeah, absolutely. They, they need to historically know what, Sucky interest rates. <laughs> we lived like. through sucky well, interest rates. Like. These and, are awesome, well, and we didn't know they sucked. No, it, it was, was the normal. normal. It was like okay, yeah. that's, that's what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, and you went about your life. You buy yep. your houses. You did your whatever, and it was with that interest rate. Yep. Yeah. So, with what you do, what have you seen any big changes in the industry of, of, with mortgages or how they're done? Um, so I actually, when I started in the industry, it was right before they implemented the really big change. Um, they implemented TRID, which was basically a a new set of rules and new set of laws, um, that protected the consumers that protected consumers essentially. And, um, that went into effect, I want to say October 5th. 2015 is my best guess. If that's wrong, don't judge me for it. But I was just getting into the industry at that time. So all I've really known is the era after TRID. Um, They recently, fairly recently, about a year ago, 
uh, it'll be almost a year ago. We're not quite there yet. They came out with a new mortgage application that has a little bit more detailed questions um, uh, in response to, and I think part of it has to do with being in response to um, COVID, but the other part is just getting a more thorough, a better picture, a better view of a potential buyer's story, essentially, because that's essentially what we're oh, doing is telling okay. the story. Which, so which, they, which you kind of do anyway with your, your personal touch. You kind of make yeah. sure they're going to be comfortable with what they're getting because 2008, people were, I mean, they, they were giving out loans. No, you don't have to verify what the person claimed they made. And of course, absolutely, all had all kinds of issues. So right now, with, with the trend and how you do things, they're going to be a lot less likely to ever get foreclosed upon. And that's the ultimate goal is you want to, you know, there, my goal ultimately is I want someone to be comfortable financially. I want, I don't like it if a client wants to max out their absolute budget, because ultimately I want someone to be able to buy a house, but then be able to put a certain percentage away into savings, create that emergency fund, create, you know, put more money towards their retirement account. Um, but having that basically becoming financially secure and, and financially responsible, teaching them the ways of, you know, creating automated systems within their own budget to maybe create a savings account if they've been living check to check um, and getting them into a house that's within their affordability range, um, I think is in living within your means essentially is the first step in building a better future financial Yep. Better and, financial future. Yep. And sad they don't teach any of that stuff in school. No. I heard that, I heard that they actually, and I don't quote me on this, I heard they actually did just pass recently a new um, I don't know if it's law or something, but they are, at least in the Worthington schools, I believe, they're supposed to start teaching like a class that incorporates budgeting and find like financial oh, responsibility. Oh, nice. Um I, I read a quick Good. article on it, so don't quote me on it, but I I, I believe that's what I read and I was that's pretty cool. excited about it. That that'd be good because yeah, they should they everybody needs to learn how to do that stuff, take care of the minimum, yeah, take care of your, your needs. Right. Yeah. Save up for yourself and your family down, down the road. Absolutely. So how how could you have any other questions? I have one other question. Okay. Yeah. So with all of the housing loans that were put in deferment because of COVID, how many of those do you think are actually going to get foreclosed upon? And what do you think is going to end up happening with that? So every, every company has sort of managed that a little bit differently. Um, I think with the houses that have, with the people that have gone into deferment, what's happening at least um, with us, with clients that we've had that have needed to go into deferment is basically you do what's called a loan modification. And if they had this money that was owed on the property and they weren't paying it for, let's say they did six months or a year or you know potentially two years, depending on what their situation was, you can do a loan modification where essentially that dollar amount, that payment, that mortgage that wasn't paid, it essentially just gets ticked, tacked back on to the back end of the loan okay. so that you still have that time to continue to pay it. The ultimate goal of that loan deferment plan wasn't to create, you know, a housing bubble or create situations where people are going to not be able to fulfill their loan needs. Um, because mortgage companies, they don't want people to fail. We like more and loan officers, we don't want people to fail. Um, 
we want people to be comfortable. And obviously COVID was a completely, is a completely unprecedented time. Um, and being able to work with buyers and people that have experienced financial hardships during COVID, having that flexibility, um, I think is crucial. Um, at Union Home Mortgage, we don't turn around. A lot of banks will turn around and sell your loan right after you close um, to another bank. So yeah, you close your home with ABC, like XYZ Mortgage, but then two weeks later, you're paying some other company you've never right. heard of. Union Home Mortgage, we actually, we don't turn around and sell your loan. We retain and service your loans. So if you have any financial troubles or if you have any questions about your mortgage or if you have any issues or concerns, I'm still your number one primary contact. So you reach out to me again after closing, if you come up with, you know, a situation or a question that you have, and then I, you know, reach out to the teams that can get the results for you. I help walk you through whatever issue you are dealing with. Um, and our team has been absolutely wonderful with the clients that have been, have had to go into forbearance and the clients that I've had that did experience financial hardships are still doing great. And Good. Back back Good. on it, and it's great. Oh, that nice. is cool. But, I did not know you guys did that. That's nice to hear. Well, well, yeah. and that home buyer seminar we were at, they mentioned your your, your union mortgage. Oh, okay. Was, was was the mortgage that was that was mentioned? Oh yeah. As that was the preferred, the preferred lender, company. Yeah, that that the agents you know per, that like to use. Mm-hmm. That's great. So so anyway, so how how do people get hold of you? Yeah. Um, I would love to help anybody, you know, if they have questions about the mortgage process or just kind of what to expect. Um, my website is really, really easy. It's www.applywithbri.com. And that'll take you to my secured union home mortgage website. Um, the, my cell phone number is all over it. I do everything from my cell phone. Um, I feel like, you know, having someone be able to reach out, you know, five, six, seven o'clock at night, a lot of times when they're shopping, is important to be able to get connected. Um, yes. So you can visit my website at applywithbree.com. Um, you can also visit my Facebook page. Uh, it's just search on Facebook for Bree Home Loans and you'll see my information. Again, contact information's on there. Um, and if anyone ever just wants to reach out and call, my cell is 614-425-4005. And I'm always happy to answer, you know, any questions. If you're looking to buy now, great. If you're looking to buy in the future and just want to figure out where your starting point is, that's a perfect place to start. So sounds good. Sounds well, on the on the show notes, I will uh, have your contact information in there, so people awesome. can just call and click, you know, click on it if they find that. So perfect. Thank you. Thank you very much for being with us. You've been listening to the Standing Out in Ohio podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Google Podcasts to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit the website of the best Ohio home inspection company at homeinspectionsinohio.com or jimtroff.com. That's J-I-M-T-R-O-T-H, and click on podcast. Until next time, learn and go do stuff. Mm-hmm.